Good morning, Gateway family. It's great to see you all this morning. Such a privilege for us to gather and worship this morning. The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. We're grateful that you are here to worship with us. And if you are at home worshiping via live stream, we want to welcome you as well. If you're next door in the gym, we're grateful that you are here with us on campus. Just a couple of announcements, and then we'll read our call to worship together. Um, This week, Chad and Kelsey Smith and their new baby, Liza, are going to be moving. And Chad has accepted a job up in Hartzell, and they'll be moving there to settle in and begin that work in the fall. And we will certainly miss Chad and Kelsey tremendously. We rejoice with them as we have over previous weeks in the birth of their new baby girl. And uh, we have an opportunity to bless them. They have been very faithful members here at Gateway for an extremely long time. I think Chad's probably been here 17 or 18 years. They've both been very faithful in various areas of ministry here at Gateway. But this Friday night, there's going to be a time to just drop in and love on them and encourage them. Just a come and a go time from 5 to 7 p.m. in the gym. And so we would invite you to come and to encourage Chad and Kelsey and let them know of our love for them and our prayers for them, and hopefully you will be able to be here and be a part of that this Friday night. Just come and go between 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. in the gym. Also, we continue to encourage you as we are not gathering together in person as often as we regularly would to continue to hold community very high in the values of your family and continue to reach out and connect with people who are a part of this fellowship of believers and continue to do life together. There's several ways that you can do that, and some of those are through Zoom meetings, and some of those are from uh, in-person, face-to-face gatherings, and you can find information about these small groups and the ways that you can plug in at gatewaybaptist.com, and you can go to the uh, gate post there, that's what we call our blog, and find a post about all of the different ways that you can be connected in small group. Also, there's a place there at gatewaybaptist.com slash prayer for you to communicate any prayer needs that you or your family might have. And our leadership team and staff would love to know of these and be aware of what's happening in your life and how we can pray for you guys. And since we don't pass around the plate and have the sheet of paper to write those things down in during this season, we would encourage you to connect with us online communicate your prayer requests and needs to us and let us know how we can be journeying with you and what we can be praying with you for. We would consider it a high privilege and an honor to be able to do that. Let's stand together this morning. We're going to read from Psalm chapter 24. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord, and who will stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God, the God of Jacob. Let's worship him together this morning. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. 
Switch off, put one of y'all on each side. So there you go. <laughs> but we get the joy of a baby dedication this morning. I want to explain what we're doing here of why Kyle and Kayla are standing here with their family and Carson and Lindsay are standing here with theirs. Fundamentally, they're standing here before you as a church body because they believe what it says in Psalm 127, verse 3 that children are a heritage from the Lord. Those children are not an inconvenience, they're not a problem, they are a blessing that comes from God. But they're also standing before you because they realize with their children being a heritage from the Lord, that the children, their children don't belong to them. Their children belong to God and have been entrusted to them for such a time as this. And so they understand their kids are a blessing and a gift, but also a tremendous responsibility. They're also standing before you following an example you see way back in the Old Testament. Remember the story from 1 Samuel chapter 1 when Hannah had been longing for a child and prayed and when promised the Lord that she would give her child back to the Lord. And when she gets pregnant, she has her baby. She takes her baby and presents it before the Lord. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 28, she says, I have lent him to the Lord. And she gives back to the Lord what already was from him, setting apart her child for God's purposes. So why do we continue doing that? Why do we do that publicly here in the church community? Well, mainly because it's a tremendous reminder for us that we are made for community. That God didn't make us to live our lives in isolation, even just as our families. He made us to live it together as the church together. And so this is an opportunity for us to celebrate the blessing we have that these children are to their parents, to the grandparents here in the room, and also to the community. It's also a reminder that we're called as a church to come alongside these precious families and praying for them and encouraging them and helping them in practical ways. So with that kind of as a foundation, I want to give a charge to the parents and then get you to um, kind of agree to some things here. But I want you to first of all hear God's instruction to you. You're excited about that, aren't you? This is good. It's good to be excited about God's word, right? I want you to hear for you guys, for Kyle and Kayla and Carson and Lindsay. This is God's command to you as parents. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. And that's God's command for you, that you fundamentally as couples and individuals need to love God above all else and make your home a place where you talk about the Word of God. This is you like to talk right now, too. That's what your home should be like. We'll talk of the Word of God. Right, buddy? 
Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what we want your, your home to be like. That's God's plan for you as well. Likewise, particularly for Carson and for Kyle, a charge to you from Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That you guys have this sacred task from God for the kids you already have and, and now for Riggs and for Nolan to, to speak of God in your home and let your home be a home filled with the gospel and for you to teach your children, not provoke them, but to teach them and bring them up in God's ways. So we'll start over here with Carson and Lindsay with, with baby Nolan over here. First of all, guys, do you desire by God's grace to love him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And do you desire for your home to be a place where the gospel is talked about and all that you say and do? Do you recognize this day that no one is a gift from God and he ultimately belongs to God? And do you this day commit yourself to seek by God's grace to bring him up in the ways of the Lord? I know you do on that. Okay, we're Kyle and Kayla here with baby Riggs. So do you desire to love God by his grace with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? And do you desire for your home to be a place that is filled with the gospel in your conversations? And do you desire this day to teach Nolan as well as your other kids the gospel and to speak and to point them to Christ? I know you guys do. Now, I want to give a charge as well to you as a church family because, again, we're made for community. So I want to give you a charge, and it's okay to talk back to me on this one, okay? Just like they have done here as well. Will you guys agree to pray for Kyle and for Kayla and to pray for Carson and for Lindsay as they raise Riggs and Nolan? Would you agree to come alongside them as a church family and pray for them? Would you agree to pray particularly that these boys would trust Christ in an early age and walk with God and make a difference for God in their lives? And will you agree to come alongside these sweet parents in very practical ways to encourage them and help them as they seek to raise their kids in God's ways? Would you agree to do that? I know you do. That's one thing I love about Gateway is the way we share life together. Well, I want to pray for you guys and pray for your kids as well. Would you join me as we pray for these, these sweet families here? Father, we are so thankful that Lord, children are a blessing from you. Lord, we thank you for Kyle and for Kayla, and we thank you for the kids they already have, and we thank you for Riggs and just blessing them with this little baby boy. Lord, we thank you for Carson and Lindsay, and we thank you for giving to them Nolan as well. And Lord, we just pray that these two families will continue to walk with you, that they will continue to experience your grace upon grace, to keep their eyes pointed to you. Lord, in the midst of the busyness with several kids, Lord, in the midst of the busyness with their work and all that's going on, I pray that first and foremost you would keep these parents' hearts close to you. But God, that they would love you with their heart, soul, mind, and strength. That they would just see your glory day by day and desire to walk with you. And Lord, I pray that you would let their homes be homes that are just filled with talk of the gospel. Filled with praises to you. Filled with joy because of your presence with them. And Lord, we pray particularly this morning for Riggs and for Nolan, Lord, that you would be drawing these boys close to yourself. That in an early age they would understand their need of you. They would see how awesome and glorious you are. And that they would fall in love with you as you turn their hearts to them, we pray for Riggs and Nolan, Lord, that they would make a difference for you. And Lord, I pray particularly for these boys that, Lord, in whatever they walk through in life, that they would be like what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, they would be servants of God. And whatever endurance or afflictions or hardships they go through, they would do what Paul described in 2 Corinthians. They would have purity and knowledge and patience and kindness, be filled with the Holy Spirit, show love and have truthful speech and have the power of God with the weapons of righteousness. We pray that Riggs and Nolan will be men of God like that who will make a difference for your kingdom. And we will give you all the praise for that. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, we want to give to you guys a little Bible for these boys. And I know you already have a copy of God's Word. Oh, you, yeah, you can have it. There you go. And so we just want to celebrate with you guys and praise God for his blessings for you. And we'll come alongside and keep praying. Let's give them a word of encouragement.
time of intercessory prayer. Robbie Collins, who's one of our elders here, is going to come lead us in a time of prayer. Let's continue to worship the Lord through prayer today. Lord God, we do. We just come to you today because we worship you. That is the reason that we are here. We come in this place from all aspects of life coming to you because you are the one true most high God. You are our hope and our life, and we need you so desperately, Lord. Lord, I pray that as we come in here today with all kinds of thoughts and ideas about how we should live our lives, Lord, that you would take those thoughts and shape them into what you have for us, that we would no longer live for ourselves or live for our own way, but we would say no to unrighteousness and to sin, and that we would say yes to you and your way and your will and your righteousness, Lord God. We ask you to do that work in our hearts this morning as we come to you. Lord, I pray that everything we say and think and do would honor you and glorify you and bring praise to you, and we need you to help us to do that because, as you know, we cannot do that on our own. So we desperately, desperately come to you today begging you to make us different, to make us whole, to make us more like you. Lord, we thank you for all that you've already done for us. Thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross. Thank you for the forgiveness that you have for us. Thank you for the resurrection and the restoration and the love and the mercy and the grace that you poured out on us that day, Lord, that continues to pour out on us day by day, moment by moment. And Lord, I just ask you, be with us, lead us, guide us, direct us in all that we do, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's here at church, at Gateway. Lord, we just ask you to move and work in our hearts and minds. Lord, I do pray for our, our state and this world as we struggle through this COVID-19 pandemic, Lord God. I just pray that you, the, the healer of all and everything, would just come. That you would come and wipe this thing out, remove it from us, Lord God. And as we walk through it, Lord, we just look to you to heal us and to set us free and to draw us close to you. Lord, I just pray that you would help those who are sick right now to be healed and help those who are struggling in mentally, physically, emotional, spiritually, Lord God. I pray that you would come and that you would move and that you would work and that you would make things right. Lord, I pray for our parents that are making decisions about school, praying for our school boards and all the different things that are going on now to try to determine what school looks like in the middle of all of this, Lord, I just pray that you would speak louder than anything else, that your wisdom would reign true in our hearts and our minds and our ears, and that you would show us the way. Lord, I pray that you would give each and every parent the wisdom that they need to make the decision for this next school year, to know exactly what it is that they should do. Lord, I just pray for your protection that you would protect us, that you would draw us close to you. Lord, I thank you for the New Life in Church, or New Life in Christ Church that meets here, Lord. I pray the same for them, that you would speak truth to them and wisdom for them, and that you would protect them as well. Be with Eduardo and the leadership as they continue to minister to this community. And Lord, I just pray that you would empty them of themselves, and that you would fill them with your spirit. They would minister 
not from themselves, but from the love and the mercy and grace that you have for each one of them. Lord, we thank you for Taylor and Sarah Fox and their family as they minister in France. Lord, I pray that you would give them freshness of your spirit, that you would uh, renew them in their quest to make you known in that country, Lord. I pray that you would give them creative ways and that you would use them in a mighty way to advance your kingdom in France. Lord, I pray for the Ligdi Banda tribe of Ghana. Lord, I pray that you would send Christians to meet with them, to encourage them, to speak your truth. Lord, take the, the scales that are on their eyes and uh, strip them away. Help them to see you for who you truly are. Lord, I know that if you do that, that they would cry out to you and they would praise you and they would worship you and their lives would be so different. Lord, I pray that you would take them out of darkness and bring them into your light. Just draw them close, Lord. They need you so very, very desperately. Lord, we thank you for the, the offering that's already been given. And uh, Lord, I just pray that you would stir our hearts to continue to partner with you with uh, all that you've blessed us with. And we give back to you all these gifts and offerings because of what you've done for us. Lord, bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. Lord, I do thank you for Grady. Thank you for all the work and preparation that's gone into this day to study and to learn and to seek your face, to know your word so that he can lay that bare before us today, Lord God. I pray that you would use Grady in a mighty way, that the words that he speaks today would not be his own, but they would be yours, and that our hearts would be encouraged and that we would be forever changed today. Lord, do not let us leave this place today the way that we came. Lord, we ask you to do your work in our hearts and minds right now, and that you would draw us ever closer to you. And if we leave here the same, Lord, we would be, we would just be so sad, Lord. I just pray that you would work in our hearts and minds and draw us close to you today because we need you so very, very desperately. And we pray all these things in the power and in the authority victory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There we go. Let's find James chapter 3 in your copy of God's Word or your Bible app. James chapter 3. Now, we just concluded a section the last several weeks where James has spent a prolonged number of verses talking about our speech. We've just seen over the last, really, month was the danger of our tongues. The reminder that we're not free to say whatever we feel like saying because God has a standard for our speech and we will give an account before a holy God for how we've used our words and what we've written. We saw in these last weeks our desperate need for grace, for God to tame our tongues because we can't tame our tongues ourselves and our need for Him to change us. Well, this morning as we come to James chapter 3, verse 13, we come to a change of topic. We're coming to a new theme in his letter, but it's a theme he's already introduced for us back in chapter 1, and that's the theme of wisdom and the topic of wisdom. But in some ways, it's not really much that, that much of a departure from what he has just said. Because if you think about it, our speech reveals whether or not we have wisdom or not. Our speech will either show us having wise words or unwise words. So it's a very natural thing for him to flow to after dealing with our speech to now talk about what a life of wisdom looks like. With that said, friends, as we listen to our own speech, the words that have come out of our mouth this week, we talked about the last two weeks, if we had a transcript of all of our words, 
what would it show? The words we said, the words that we have spoken. And if we listen to the words of others, what does it show? And one thing that is, we think about what James is going to introduce with wisdom this morning, that our words show is that most people, including ourselves, think of ourselves as being wise. Most people think of ourselves as having great understanding. And friends, isn't that what we see in the culture today? That people act as though their understanding of whether it's coronavirus or precautions or cultural issues is the right perspective, and everyone else has just totally missed it. It's the only, they have the only correct way to view things. And they almost expect everyone else to view things the way they do. Isn't that what we see happening in so many homes and marriages today also? So many homes are being split apart, and there's so much conflict because one person in the family acts like they have a monopoly on wisdom and understanding. They just don't figure out why their spouse can't view things the way they do. Isn't that what happens in churches as well? We all know the heartbreak of churches that have split and where there's been conflict because someone has acted like they have a monopoly on wisdom and understanding on that particular part of theology or that topic or that life issue. And so very little grace is shown to people who view things differently. Even their love for Jesus and love for others gets called into question if they dare think differently about a subject. Because that happens because human nature then and now wants to act like we have wisdom, that we have perfect understanding. And with that in view, James basically raises a question for us as he transitions from our speech to the topic of wisdom. And his question for us is, who really is wise and who really is understanding? With so many people sharing so many competing ideas in the church and in the home and in society, who really does have wisdom and who really does have understanding? We're coming to just one verse this morning. As we look at this one verse, I want you to be looking for what is the answer to that question. How do we know if we have wisdom and understanding? How do we know if others have wisdom and understanding. So as we come to James chapter 3, verse 13, can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God? These short 20, ver- 20 words are packed with tons of truth and insights for us. James chapter 3, verse 13, I'll be reading out the English Standard Version. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how powerful your word is. And Lord, this morning as we come to the topic of wisdom, I pray that you would open our eyes. That God, that you would help us look into our own hearts to see where we fall short of walking in your ways and your wisdom and with your understanding. We pray for much grace that you would grow our heart's desire to want to know you more and to have more of your wisdom and your understanding as we navigate this life. And I pray your word would be powerful and transformative in our lives today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So how do we know if we have wisdom and understanding? When other people are claiming wisdom and understanding, how do we know if they really have wisdom and understanding? Here's what I want you to see simply this morning from this one verse. True wisdom is manifest in holiness and in humility. True wisdom, a wisdom that comes from God, an understanding that comes from God, that type of wisdom is manifest, it's shown, it becomes obvious in our lives, not because we claim we have it, Not because we boast about being wise or understanding. Not because we demand people to listen to us. Not because we post a lot about a particular topic. The reason, the evidence of having true wisdom is it transforms us. That we show more and more in our lives of holiness. Of walking with God according to his ways. And we have greater humility in how we relate to one another. True wisdom is manifest, is seen in holiness and in humility. So let's kind of unpack that from this one verse this morning. First of all, notice that there's many people, if not most, who would say, yeah, I'm wise. Yeah, I have understanding. Look back at verse 13 with the question James raises. Who is wise and understanding among you? Now, let's understand the terms James is using here. First of all, wise. What does it mean to have wisdom? Well, think back to James chapter 1, verse 4, when we talked about wisdom then. 
I define wisdom for you as God-given discernment about the practical issues of life. Wisdom is God-given discernment about the practical issues of life. You might say it's knowing how to navigate life circumstances. It's knowing the right things to do and then doing it. Wisdom is not just knowing the right things to do. It's knowing the right things and then stepping out and doing them. As James has already talked about, being doers of the word and not hearers only. There's an important clarification about wisdom I want to make sure we understand. Wisdom does not mean we understand why everything happens. Wisdom does not mean we understand what is happening in all the situations around. It does not mean we understand why God is doing what God is doing in every situation. Wisdom does not remove the finiteness, the limitedness of our brains. Only God is infinite. Only God understands all the whys and the hows and all the things that we don't understand. That's not what wisdom is about. An analogy helped me as I was studying this week about what wisdom is. This author said that wisdom is like learning how to drive a car down the road. Wisdom is like learning how to make appropriate responses to ever-changing circumstances. So as you're learning to drive, you learn to watch the traffic light and slow down. You learn to anticipate when another car is coming and slow down. You know how to change as you see obstacles in the road. You're learning how to navigate an ever-changing circumstance. That's what wisdom is like in life. We're learning how to navigate and change and get through ever-changing circumstances in life. But wisdom in driving is not just knowing what to do when the light turns red. It's not just knowing what to do if you see an obstacle in the road. It's now acting on it and doing it. And the same is true for us. Wisdom in life is not just knowing what we should do in all these practical situations, but it's acting on them and doing it. But the clarification here, wisdom in driving is not understanding why the engineer designed the Taylor Road Interstate 85 intersection the way he or she did. We may never understand why the engineers designed that intersection the way they did, but wisdom is not figuring out why they designed that intersection the way they did. Wisdom is knowing how to get through that intersection without getting hit with the 18-wheeler that's also going through the intersection there. Wisdom is knowing how to navigate life's path, not understanding all the why questions that could possibly be there. Wisdom is not understanding why the car in front of you is swerving. That's not what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing how to not get hit by the car that's swerving. You hit the car that's swerving. Wisdom is navigating life's circumstances. And so in the terms of our life, God-given wisdom is us knowing how to navigate the life that God has given to us. And again, the reality check is James challenges who has wisdom. Most people you talk to would say, sure, I've got wisdom. Sure, I know how to navigate life. And if we're honest, a lot of people around us are going to be very quick to tell us how we should navigate life, right? Because they think they have the wisdom, not just for themselves, but for how we should live as well. But James gives a second word here besides wisdom. He says, who is wise in understanding? Where understanding means to be well-informed, to be knowledgeable. Perhaps the best translation of that Greek word into English would be to be an expert. Who is an expert among you? And again, friends, in our sinful tendencies and our pride, most people kind of feel like they're an expert in just about everything, right? Everything from coronavirus to epidemiology today to cultural issues and history and you name it. It seems like everyone we're listening to claims to be an expert on whatever the situation is that we're in. And that happens in the church as well. As we'll see next week, the church was being divided because there was no shortage of people in the early church who thought they had an exclusive claim to wisdom and thought they had were experts in whatever the church was facing. It was wrecking the early church because everyone thought they were wise in understanding. And James and his love for them and his love for us addresses this sinful tendency. He does so by issuing 
a challenge them. And just listen to the way he phrases this challenge. Verse, back in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? He's speaking to believers here. He's speaking to the church. He's saying, if you think you have wisdom, if you think you have understanding, let's examine it. Come step out into light and let's expose your life and let's take a look at whether or not we really do have wisdom and understanding. Now, this is not the first time he's issued a challenge. Think back some weeks ago to James chapter 2, verse 18. He was arguing with someone who said, yeah, I can have faith but not have works. And he challenged them, show me. He's almost like daring them, show me your faith apart from works. I dare you to try to prove you have faith if you don't have works. It's the same type of challenge here. Okay, you say you have wisdom, you say you have understanding. Now step out, let's take a look and see if it really is there. And so how do we know if we have God-given discernment to navigate life's issues? How do we know if we have expertise and understanding? Well, James says quite simply, if you have that, it'll be obvious. It will show. Look at how he continues in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Notice this. Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Let him show his works. Let him manifest. Let him exhibit. Let him make visible. If you have wisdom, let it be obvious in your life and the way you live. And you think, okay, well, what changes? If I really have wisdom and understanding, what will be different in my life? He doesn't leave us wondering. He tells us two different things that characterize a person who has wisdom and understanding. And the two things are holiness and humility. A truly wise person isn't wise because they say they're wise. A truly wise person is wise, and it shows in their holiness and in their humility. Now let's look at these two. First of all, in holiness. Look in the second part of verse 13. He says, by his good conduct, let him show his works. By his good conduct. In other words, a lifestyle that pleases God. When you see good conduct in Scripture, we could perhaps translate that today in our more common word of Holiness, And you see it used this way. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15, describes it this way for us. But is he, God, who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your what? What's the next word? In all your conduct. So we're to be, have good conduct. We're to have holy conduct in what we do. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Keep your what? What's the next word? Your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your, here's that same phrase from James, your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So when you see this phrase, good conduct, by your good conduct, by your holiness and the way you're living, it shows you have wisdom. Friends, that makes sense. If wisdom is knowing how to live life the way God says to live life, then true wisdom from God means our lives will be more and more, with each passing year, more and more directed by Him, more and more aligned to His standards, more and more a reflection of His character, the process that we call sanctification. As God, more and more by his Holy Spirit dwelling within us, more and more as he grows us, our lives begin to look more like how he already sees us, as one who's righteous in Christ, as one who's pursuing holiness. So friends, many of people claim to be wise and understanding, but the reality check for us, if we're continuing in sin strongholds, if we're not growing, if we're not progressing in godliness, if we're not closer to Christ now than a year ago, if we're not seeing sin patterns broken in our lives, then we're deceiving ourselves if we think we really are wise if it's not translating into more and more of walking with God each day. But there's a second evidence he mentions here in terms of how we know if we have true wisdom, and that is humility. Notice the very last phrase of verse 13 here. By his good conduct, let him show his works. And notice this phrase, in the meekness of of wisdom, the meekness of wisdom, the true wisdom that comes from God produces a character quality in a person's life. And that quality is meekness. Now, what do we mean by the word meek? Because the word meek is so misunderstood in our culture and in our world today. So what is meekness? 
Now, before I define it for you, I want to show you several different scriptures so you can kind of see a definition building of this. So let's look. First, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. What do we mean when we say that meekness is a result of wisdom? So it says in Galatians 6, 1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in meat transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of, what's the next word? Of gentleness. Okay, this is where our translations get frustrating for us because the word translated gentle here is the exact same word in the same form of James 3, 4, meekness here. So it's the same word, just translated different ways in different places. So we're sort of in a spirit of meekness, a spirit of gentleness. So we're getting a definition here. Meekness is gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest ye be tempted. So meekness has to do with how we approach others. It's an attitude we have towards approaching others. But this verse also corrects a wrong thinking. If you ask just out in the street, what people thought about meekness, the culture associates meekness with weakness, with not being willing to do things, with passivity, with inaction, with just being a pushover. But this verse is the exact opposite of it, isn't it? It's saying if you see another Christian in sin, oh, just be meek and sit by and bite your tongue and don't do anything. No, it's saying if you see someone you love in the church in sin, you should go to them, you should confront the person in their sin, but do so with gentleness. With meekness. So meekness is not inactivity. Meekness is not just being a pushover. Meekness is doing the hard things, but with gentleness, with graciousness towards other people. We see this idea again in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I want you to see how, again, this idea of meekness developed. Paul says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner. This is, again, the idea of good conduct, worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility. And what's the next word again? Gentleness. Again, it's the same Greek word from meekness in James 3, just translated as gentleness here. With gentleness, and notice how gentleness or the meekness and gentleness is tied to humility here. We want a further glimpse of what that looks like. He tells us if we're meek, if we're gentle, if we're humble, we'll show patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So meekness is humility. It is an eagerness to be patient with people and to pursue unity with one another. Unless we think it's just a personality that some people just more naturally are meek than others, we're called in Scripture to pursue meekness. We're to pursue this character quality in our life. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And he's talking about the love of money and worldliness. And like we saw in Ephesians, we're to put off sin, but we're to put on righteousness. And here's the put on for us. Pursue righteousness, pursue godliness, pursue faith, pursue love, pursue steadfast, and pursue, what's the last one here? gentleness. Because this is a command in Scripture that we are not able to justify going, hey, that's just not my personality type. We are commanded by God, if we are in Christ, to pursue gentleness. We are to pursue meekness with one another. Unless we wonder what that looks like, we have a great example. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29. Jesus describes himself in Matthew eleven twenty-five: Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am... I am gentle. Again, the same word in the Greek for meek. I am meek. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And friends, when by God's grace we follow the example of Christ and we pursue by his Holy Spirit within us, <coughs> excuse me, we pursue gentleness and meekness and humility. Look at the blessing that's found in Scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the who? The meek, the gentle, the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. So now, what is meekness? We've just looked at all those scriptures. What is meekness? Well, let's kind of take it two angles here. First, what it is not. Meekness is the opposite of pride. Meekness is the exact opposite of pride. Pride is I want to be right. I want to advance myself. I want to get success. I want the attention. That's not the meek. A meek is a person who does not have to justify themselves. 
A meek person is one who does not have to always have the last word. Is one who does not try to take advantage of others, does not have to advance self. A meek person is not easily angered. Because again, here's a reality check for us. Most of us say, oh sure, I've got wisdom, sure, I've got understanding. But if we regularly are justifying ourselves, trying to advance ourselves, having to have the last word, raising our voices, being easily angered, then we're deceiving ourselves if we think we have a lot of wisdom if our life is full of pride. That's what the meek is, the opposite. But what is meek? Let me give you a definition now. We've been building here. Meekness to me simply is graciousness in dealing with other people. You want a short, simple definition of meekness. It's just graciousness in dealing with other people. Remember last week, the reason we're not free to use our speech however we want is because two reasons. One, the people we speak to are made in the image of God. Take this now to meekness. We are not free to speak to people made in the image of God however we want. They deserve to receive graciousness from us because they are made in God's image. But also we saw last week we're not free to speak however we want because we're new creation. We are recipients of grace. So why would people who've received grace upon grace upon grace not in turn then share that grace with others in how we speak? If we've received grace, we should be gracious in how we deal with other people. Again, the reality check for us is if we lack grace in how we interact with other people, if we're bullies, if we're aggressive, if we're domineering, if we use people to push our agendas, if we find ourselves constantly yelling what Scripture calls clamor, if we're angry, if we're tearing down, then we're not meek. And if we're not meek, then we're lacking wisdom that perhaps we think that we have. To help us think through this, I found something really helpful this week. as a the president of Reformed Theological Seminary, and he was writing about meekness in a way that just really opened my eyes to a lot of things. I want to read you what he said, contrasting the meek from the proud. I hope this will be helpful for you. He said, proud, self-important people are easily angered, easily offended. When they do not receive the respect they deserve or think they deserve, when their opinions are not validated, when their advice is not heeded, they rage, they resent, they seek revenge. The humble, same thing as we're talking about here, the meek, However, they are not easily angered or easily offended because they recognize their true dignity is given and guarded by God. Notice this again. The meek are not easily angered or offended because they recognize their true dignity is given by God and guarded by God. When they are wronged, they entrust vengeance to God and they pursue the path of forgiveness and reconciliation with their neighbors. This is because they know that God will maintain their cause. They are free from having to maintain their own cause. Because they know that God will maintain their cause, they are free from having to maintain their own cause. And they are free to devote themselves to God's cause and the cause of their neighbors. This true wisdom is seen, it's manifest in holiness and in humility. So again, what do our lives show? If we did that transcript of all of our words from the last week, if we looked at what our actions showed for the last week, do we think we are wise in understanding? And if so, is it leading us to greater godliness, to more and more Christ-likeness? If so, is it leading us to greater humility and gentleness and graciousness as we relate to one another? If not, it needs to be a reality check by God's grace to show us that we need to pursue His wisdom. We need to pursue His understanding that will transform our lives. It leads to one last question for us this morning. If we are not as wise and understanding as perhaps we thought we were, how do we grow in wisdom and understanding? This is the beauty of the gospel, friends. God loves us so much. He doesn't just send Jesus to die for our sins so we don't have to go to hell and that's it. He covers us with Christ's righteousness so we can approach him and we stand before him forgiven so we can approach him, but then he more and more makes us like Christ. He loves us so much he pursues us and he disciplines us when we fall short because he wants us to experience the life that he has for us of being more and more like Christ. The gospel keeps changing us. And so God doesn't just go, oh, 
but that person has deceived themselves. They have lacked wisdom understanding. I'm just going to leave them there. But brother in Christ, God wants to grow our wisdom. He wants to grow our understanding so that it produces the fruit in our lives of holiness and humility. So how do we grow in godly wisdom? I'm going to give you five things. These are not rocket science. I've been around Gateway. These are not even going to be new to you before, but I need to be reminded of the basics, and I think we all do at times. As well, five ways that we want to grow in wisdom even this week. Number one, fear God. I fear God, and we have a reverence and respect and awe for who he is. Fear God. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. I want you to see that up on the screen. Proverbs 1, 7 tells us the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If we want a starting place, I think we sometimes miss this in the starting place. If we want to have wisdom in our life that leads to holiness and humility, then we've got to start with a fear of God. And by fear of God, we have a healthy reverence for him and a healthy view of who he is. I think we lose all in wonder of his greatness and his majesty. I feel like we miss what we saw some weeks ago when COVID first hit. We look at Isaiah 6, when Isaiah sees the glory of God and just has to proclaim, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. He saw the beauty and the majesty of God, and it undid him. And I think we miss that sometimes. Because if you want to get a renewed sense of who God is and have awe and wonder and fear of the Lord, just go back to his word. And we got some amazing books in the hall in the resource center just down the hall here. If you want to grow it, there's a whole top shelf that's got books on the attributes of God. If you want to go back and study the holiness of God and the wrath of God and the justice of God, and these attributes we don't think about a whole lot to get a healthier fear of who God is, we've got some great books down there. There's a great book down there called The Explicit Gospel. If you want to go deep into what it means to fear God, those early chapters of that book are really helpful. But get in the Word and read books that point you to the Word to have a bigger sense of the fear of God. Number one, we fear God. Number two, we have to study Scripture, friends. There's no substitute for this. If we want to have wisdom, we have to go to where God has revealed His wisdom in His Word. Psalm 119 and 169 is a great verse to think about. He says, Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding. That's what we need, understanding. According to what? According to what? Your Word, friends. When we're lacking wisdom and understanding, we need to run back to the Word of God because He promises to give us wisdom through His Word. We go back and that's where we find His revelation of who He is. If you want to challenge in that, we need to do what Colossians 3 says, let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. So we have a healthy fear of God. We study Scripture. Number three, we ask God for wisdom. If we find we're lacking in wisdom and it shows in our life if we're lacking in holiness or humility, we need to go back and have a fear of God. We study Scripture. Number three, we ask God for it. James chapter 1, verse 5. We looked at this many weeks ago when we first started our study. If any of you lacks wisdom, let me just pause there. If you remember from that week, that phrase in the Greek assumes everyone lacks wisdom. This is not for just some people in the church. This is the assumption, the way the Greek is phrased, that everyone lacks wisdom. So everyone needs to do what's next. If anyone lacks wisdom, and all of us do, let him ask God. For he gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Because we are all lacking in wisdom, and that all shows because we all are lacking in humility and holiness at times, then we need to not only have a bigger view of who God is, not only read the Word, but we need to specifically, day by day, ask God for wisdom for today. And the beauty of this thing, this, the, in the Greek here, the let him ask God, this is continuous tense. Day by day, we need to be asking God for wisdom today. And God promises to give it to us. So fear God, study his Word, ask him for it. Number four, seek his help to obey. God promises to give us the wisdom, but are we going to act on it? So number four, we seek grace to obey. A life of holiness and humility is not going to be natural. We can't white-knuckle determination to make it happen. It only comes as the Holy Spirit fills us and takes control of us and changes us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit 
By fruit, we mean the transformation that happens when the Holy Spirit has control of us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. What's the next one? Which one? What is it? Okay, there we go. Gentleness, meekness, same Greek word there, is not something that we can manufacture ourselves, friends. It is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. That is, we are living Spirit-filled lives. One of the things that God produces is what we can't make ourselves, and that is gentleness, graciousness, humility towards one another. This is something that comes as God gives us His help through the Holy Spirit within us. As He takes a fear of God, and He takes us studying His Word, as we begin to ask Him for it, and the Holy Spirit within us now makes what we can never make on our own. For one last way, if we want to grow in wisdom this week, number five, ask other people to help us. Ask other brothers and sisters to help us. Because so often in our pride, how many of us really want to humble ourselves and say, hey, I am lacking in humility. I'm struggling with holiness in this area of my life. Would you come alongside me and pray for me that God will give me greater gentleness in how I treat my spouse, my kids, my neighbor, my coworker, my friend, whatever. How often do we humble ourselves and confess to others that we're struggling with gentleness, that we're struggling in some area of holiness and ask for help? Yeah, that's the biblical pattern, friends. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. It's describing for us what the church is to be like. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. And then the next verse. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Friends, God did not make us to be people who on our own overcome. He made us to be, just as we saw with the baby dedication this morning, a people who in community come alongside one another to help one another be built up, to help one another grow in godliness. If you realize that you're struggling in an area of holiness, you're struggling with humility, don't keep trying in pride on your own to change. Dig in the Word of God. Read about things to help you have a fear of God. Ask God for wisdom. Pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you, but then find brothers and sisters you trust and say, I need you to hold me accountable. I need you to read something with me. I want you to pray for me in this and help me grow in these areas. I need more wisdom from God to transform my life. And if you're like, I don't have anyone to do that with, reach out to any of our elders. We would love to come alongside you and help you in this. Friends, true wisdom is manifest in holiness and humility. What if our life shown the past week? And where does God need to grow us this upcoming week? Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your word. We're thankful that your word is unchanging because you are unchanging. But we're thankful that you've shown us who you are and who we are and what your plan for us is. And God, I pray that you would be giving us wisdom from above. But we confess, Lord, our hearts have so much pride in them. And we are people who so quickly run after the world instead of running after you. God, we ask today, Lord, that you would give us your wisdom and your understanding. That this week we would see life the way you want us to see life. That you would guide us through your Holy Spirit, applying your word to our lives to help us navigate this path of life that we are on. God, would you give us much grace to not keep trying in our own strength? Not just to try harder to change our attitude or try harder to kill some sin habit. I pray this week we would find victory because you've given us your wisdom and your understanding that has produced a harvest of fruit of holiness and humility in our lives that we can never make ourselves. And I pray by the time we gather next Sunday morning, Lord, we all would have experienced such sanctification that God, our hearts would just be overflowing with praise that we would be amazed next Sunday that sin patterns in our lives have been broken because your Holy Spirit has applied your word to set us free from things. Our attitude towards that person who we keep getting angry with will be changed because your Holy Spirit is working in us, God, that you would be producing this type of harvest in us. So God, would we be a people this week 
by your grace and your drawing, run hard after your word. We think greatly about you and your character and have a healthy fear of you. And people this week who live in community and help one another grow in godliness. And I pray, Lord, this week you would sanctify us. We would realize how much you love us, that you don't want us to stay where we are, but you want us to be more and more like Christ. Lord, have your way in our lives so that we can give you all the glory. We can find the joy of being your children. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our closing song? Reaching through the storm, walking on the water, even when I could not see.
Father, we've just declared truth from your word about your unchanging character. Lord, what comfort that is to know that you are unchanging. You don't have good days and bad days. You're not up and down like we are, that you are unchanging. God, what also hope that is that you are good and your character and your nature and what you do for us, your people. And Lord, ultimately, just what we proclaim, that you are sovereign. God, that you are ruling and you are reigning. There's absolutely nothing that can stop your plan. I pray this week we would ponder those truths we just proclaimed in song. And that the fear of the Lord, as we saw in Proverbs 1, would be the beginning of knowledge and wisdom for us. And we realize what a sovereign, good, powerful, unchanging, almighty God you are. I pray that be an anchor for us this week, whatever happens in life. Lord, in your grace and kindness to us and your goodness to us, we give us the wisdom we need this week to live as your people, find joy in walking with you, and to bring you glory like you deserve. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, Gateway family. Have a great day.